Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. I've got great news. Mortgage interest rates have dropped. So if you're thinking about buying a home, right now is the time to lock that low rate, even before you find the home of your dreams. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday, November 1st. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are from dailyfantasysportsrankings.com. But you don't want to type in all those letters in your keyboard. So you no. just type in dfsr.com dfsr.com slash deals gets you the podcast listener free seven-day trial and a discounted rate of 24.95 a month <laughs> for our pro package that's going to include optimal lineups for nfl nba premium content premium chat it's all covered under one subscription package dfsr.com slash deals i'm catching my breath because i sprinted back up here buddy so we can start the podcast because i know we were running behind so i'm gonna thank you i'm gonna calm my breath down here and we're gonna talk week nine cash game picks now our article changed quite a bit because we just chose to publish it tuesday morning rather than tuesday evening and no what when does the trade deal ever met or trade deadline ever matter this time it really does i I feel ripped off (laughs) this is i I was actually trying to think back i looked back at the trade deadline from last year and so i was like does this i just don't remember this kind of flux happening from a week-to-week basis where i mean really it's really just two major trades that are going to affect it and we'll get to when we talk about wide receivers but this trade deadline did shift uh did shift some of our original picks for sure so we updated our article uh with just a note following the trade deadline and we'll get into more of it today and then we'll get even more into it in the game by game breakdown tomorrow but yeah for sure for sure the wide receiver situation has changed but let's start with quarterback about where we're kind of looking for this week now last week we kind of ran it if you, if you listen to the recap podcast you know we ran into uh just a Jameis disaster in, in cash and, and now though <laughs> i see <laughs> as we're running into the Jameis disaster we you lead off with Ryan. You 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 handle some quarterbacks here. You lead off with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Amen. Fitzpatrick go. is going to get the start. Do we trust enough that the the Bucks just aren't a mess themselves? Like with these two quarterbacks and like just like is it? I guess I get worried when a, when a starting quarterback can get pulled in the third quarter because of bad performance. What's to say his backup and replacement won't get pulled going back the other way in a bad performance here? Or do you think Fitzpatrick is just cheap enough with the opportunity that it does kind of rate out safe for cash? Yeah, so generally I think your intuition would be correct here where you're like, listen, they pulled Jameis for one week. The guy came in, the random backup came in and had like 15 good passing attempts. Slow down. But Fitzpatrick started the season at a historic pace. He still might break NFL records if they just let him start the rest of the way in spite of Jameis getting to go for a couple weeks. Like the guy was going 400 yards and three touchdowns, three straight games against, you know, not the weakest competition in the world comes in in Cincinnati you know it, it was so funny watching Twitter as this was happening because people were like 
man, this weather really is affecting Jameis, you know, even right. though it wasn't really affecting Dalton. And then Fitzpatrick just comes in and drops 11 of 15 for 194 and two touchdowns. Basically, by the way, paid this price on 15 passing attempts uh, starting in the third quarter. So Fitzpatrick is just so is just way too cheap. It's just a straight-up price and opportunity mismatch. He's priced down in the dumpster tier with guys like Sam Darnold and Brock Osweiler and stuff like that. He's just priced like a backup, and he's not a backup. He's a starter, and when that happens especially in the NFL these days where there are a few positions in particular where we would really like to pay up, like running back. Uh, I think it's no-brainer, might be too strong, but it's he's going to have really high ownership, I would have to think, right? Um, I, I, only because Cam is not that – we're going to get to Cam in a second. Only because Cam is not that cross-prohibitive. And now with some of these wide receiver trades, you, I think you are going to get enough value at that position that – you just might not need to go super cheap. I think that would be the only reason why. Cam's not. the second most expensive quarterback I'm, on the slate. I'm talking about. I was talking about DraftKings. He's 1,100 more. I like the. Uh, so he's my. Well, I guess he is. No, he's the second most expensive. I, I, okay, let me say this. I don't think he. I still don't think he rates out as like being cost prohibitive in this matchup. And so I and and because it's a great matchup. Because, I, we'll, we'll get to him in a second. So I think that'd be the only reason we don't see crazy ownership on Fitzpatrick. And I agree with you. 5,500 on DraftKings is a, is a good deal. The matchup is fine. It's a 54.5 total. This game looks like it's going to have a lot of points. 30, 30.25 on the Carolina side. 24.25, up almost a whole point in the last like week. Or excuse me, in the last couple of days since open. Because uh, the, the, the the over came up only, mostly on the Tampa Bay side. But I, I, our system right now is calling out like 100% cam. On, well, 90% cam on... By the way, not, I don't mean 90, he's not going to have 90% ownership just for those people. I, I mean, when you he's run, 90% of our top 50 optimal. Correct, correct. Um, he's in 90% of those, and then on DraftKings, he's in 100% at 6,600. Um, do you think, do you, you know, when we get to, typically in situations like this, when the most expensive guy is also, the system's like the most confidence, wrong word, but let's use it to save time, most confident in playing this guy at this position. This, this is not the kind of thing that typically changes because there's not going to be new news on a more expensive new expensive guy. guys that become good. Yeah, players, exactly. Right? Do you think Cam? Do you think you know for that reason we just do walk into Sunday playing him in all of our cash games? And are we feeling okay about it? I'm not sure to be honest with you. Like as I'm looking at some of these lineups right now, and we'll have to zoom back in. I don't mind Cam. I think he's a fine play. So let's start by saying that he's the picture in the article or the feature picture in the article that I published. So I think Cam is a good play. I do think as you look at some of these other guys, you know, as you're looking at your, say, DraftKings lineup and you've got guys like, you know, Cortland Sutton and I get the case for him with Tom, Thomas being gone or Chris Herndon um, at tight end for 3000 Like, I think there are ways that I can envision spending up and having my lineup feel a little bit better. And so that's, I guess, where I start to question it because it's not so much getting... I don't need studs at every position, obviously, but if I can, like, I would just as soon play a real running back on FanDuel rather than having to run both Latavius Murray and Philip Lindsay. You know, like, there's a, a lineups a few ways down where I can start to get my hands on a little James Conner or. Hey, Newton's you know, still there. So. I mean, like, I, like I, I'm not, I, I'm just not totally following. I guess I like I don't these. Well, things... so Newton's there, but then now you're down in like the the Devonte Parker tier and stuff like that. I don't know. I just think that there's, I think the safety you can get. And Newton's a good play, good matchup. I don't want to argue against it. I guess I'm just looking at some of these other plays, and I think Fitzpatrick, equally good, equally safe on his price, and I don't have to take as many risks elsewhere. So, um, you know, like a guy like Devontae Parker, sure, 5,800 is all well and good, but, like, we have one week of performance out of the guy. And 
we've seen that it can go back in the other direction. You know, a guy has one good week and can go back and get three targets in a game. And if I can upgrade him and, you know, put $1,500 more in to my wide receiver position, that that's where my gut tells me to go. Now, I'm not saying it's correct. Once again, I'm just giving you my initial impressions here. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to f- disagree on this. I, well, I guess I'm just going to say my gut, I'll go the other way. My gut does not tell me the same thing. I think that Cam feels to me like a pretty easy play here considering the state of the Tampa Bay defense, which is just not shown one single hasn't shown a single thing that they're going to improve. Dalton and Mixon got went all over them last week. Uh, once again, they rank 32nd in the league against the pass, and it's not even close. Like they are many percentage points worse than the next closest team when it comes to defending the pass. Uh, they are 15th against this is DVOA against the rush, and that's might even be just a little bit wrong because the the pass has been so bad the teams just simply even hadn't even need to run against them. Like Mixon ran all over them last week with relative ease. Uh, this is this defense is just by far the worst. Carolina. But that, that's I think that's a little disingenuous. Like I think you could still look at DVOA or rushing attempts or or not, I'm sorry, not rushing attempts, yards per attempt or something like that. And just because teams were running less against them doesn't mean that they're going to run worse. They're like, eh, let's just not only get three yards on this running play because we can just pass next down. Like, okay, well, it does, it's, to, it's all still good for Cam. Good it doesn't, either way, it's still good for Cam, so it doesn't really matter. Because like he, they're just so... No, it's not, though. Because I, so I think Tampa Bay is good against the run. And I think or they're they're okay against the run. Yes, Mixon was effective against them last week. I think Cam, though, he benefits less than arguably any quarterback that you would ever consider playing for DFS going up against a team that doesn't defend the pass very well. Um, for you know being a very good fantasy quarterback, once again, the guy's thrown for over 300 yards a single time this season. <laughs> so, like, I think just the being bad against the pass doesn't help him nearly as much as it would say Fitzpatrick or you know some of the other guys you'd consider. So. Um, yeah, I get that it's a good matchup, and I, I think Cam is a good player. He's the second I wrote him up in this article, second highest uh, fantasy points per game among all quarterbacks. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think it's a lock. I guess is my perspective. Yeah, I, I, I would call him pretty much for me a lock in cash games. I don't think I would want to pivot down to, to Fitzpatrick here. The third guy, uh, the third guy on the list, we have his cousins here. I mean, I think we can both agree at least on this that Cousins is significantly further down the list here than than either Fitzpatrick or Cam. Would we agree that like this nah, is, I would put him right in that same no, I'm just kidding. Oh okay. gosh, jeez, I, I was gonna keep say arguing. Like, man, we're gonna argue this whole we're gonna argue the whole damn podcast. Like I was like this is arguing is good. People like to hear both sides of the case. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean we have you have cousins here against Detroit. Detroit obviously jettisoned a wide receiver the line really hasn't moved all that much. The Minnesota is is put up there for a fair amount of points, not really anywhere close well, excuse me, not close to the Carolina side. Uh, they have 27 points, but more than Fitzpatrick. Do you think Cousins, is it because of, of the wide receiver tandem here? Do you think that he just draws a good, a good enough matchup against Detroit? And then, like, I guess how far down um, how far down below the other two guys would we rank Cousins here? Because we sort of have an organizational philosophy to, like, write up three guys in a cash game article, and I'm wondering if, yeah, exactly. I wonder if it was he's, like... He's way below those guys. Okay. I mean, I think you're going to play Cousins, and it's a cash game article, but I, you know... Just treat it as a picks article overall. Um, I'm still considering Cousins as a part of a stack, mostly for big tournaments. I think, you know, given the incredible wide receiver tandem he has there, that also does raise his floor quite a bit. It just makes Minnesota, you know, virtually impossible to cover. And, you know, like most teams just don't have two credible cornerbacks, one of whom can cover the slot. And if that's the case, you're going to see Cousins put up pretty solid numbers for the most part. Uh, I also like that Murray was more involved in the passing game last week. I think that raises Cousins' floor too, I think. Uh, you know, we see this with Cam, actually, where the floor on a quarterback comes up significantly if 
a significant portion of the quote-unquote running game is actually short passes to the running back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think just things are headed in the right direction for Cousins. I think, you know, in a week where Cam wasn't facing Tampa Bay and Fitzpatrick wasn't, uh, you know, just fresh off the press as a guy who's $1,000 too cheap probably for what you can expect from him in a given week, uh, people would give, be giving Cousins a lot more consideration. Yeah, we have him ranked, I mean, right kind of with Mahomes. It's probably a little low on Mahomes, all things considered. But um, Cousins is... We have depending on depending on the site, we have him as either either the second or the third highest ranked uh, highest ranked quarterback on the week. I think it's fine. Uh, they have a decent amount, of, like I said, twenty seven implied points uh, here. For what it's worth, Kansas City is only at twenty nine and a half. So I, I know that's you know ten percent more, um, but I do think you're getting. I still think you're getting pretty good value on Cousins. He's been. They just had some weird game scripts as well. Now, if we get into running backs, uh, we have Latav- Latavius Murray's a guy that's showing up. That Dalvin Cook did pra- – he's making some progress, but I do not think that he's going to be back this week. There have been speculation that he wasn't going to be back until after the Week 10 bye. I don't think there's any reason to push him to play this week. We've seen a willingness by the Vikings – to just have Murray be one of their, you know, one of those very few every down backs. We're seeing that more and more. Uh, it's just more and more rare of a thing in the NFL at this point. Is Murray, he's showing up at 100% of lineups right now, 5,100 on DraftKings, and I think in the 6,000s. Let me look. Oh, yeah, 6,700 on FanDuel. Is he a lock for cash games just based on his usage and the price at this point? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a combination of the usage and the price. Uh, the game script here, you know, rates to have Murray being pretty well involved. Um, I think I, I guess I'm, I'm less likely to go down this this guy's a lock uh, conversation than you are just because I've had too many times where we've called someone a lock and then not wind up playing them. Uh, but I think specifically on DraftKings where Murray is just 5100, it'd be hard to make a case against playing him, especially you know just because you oftentimes start running up against playing some pretty unattractive plays in like the flex and tight end and so forth. And I think the savings wind up really getting you home with Murray there uh, on FanDuel. Like I said. I think Murray has to be a lock if you're going to play Cam, <laughs> but if you're going to play uh, Fitzpatrick, then I think you you might be able to get away with not playing him. Although you probably still wind up playing him anyway. Yeah, um, last week it's like I, I think I said this in the recap podcast, but I get really encouraged for a guy like Murray. They're losing last week by ten points, and he still touched yeah. the ball nineteen times, like thirteen carries. Or touched the ball eighteen times. Or th- thirteen carries and six targets. Um, oh, sorry. Well, you don't t- you don't always touch the ball. Uh, I'm using that as a usage marker. The, the implied sure. the implied times they wanted to use him in, in, on a play was nineteen times. Right. Um, thirteen carries, six targets. Doesn't get there from a yards perspective, but that's to me that's neither here nor there. Uh, as as long as they for a guy like him, as long as they plan on using him, they are minus four and a half point favorites. So that's sort of getting toward the sweet spot of what we're looking for in running backs in terms of favorable game scripts. The next guy that we have here, well, it's not really the next guy. So I'm not really going in order. Gurley, ninety five hundred on DraftKings. Like, so he'd be a guy that if it was, let's say, I don't think it's going to end up being this case because I think there's enough way to save. But if if it was a case of like Fitzpatrick and Gurley, or you know, let's say it was something like. Uh, Cam or a, a less expensive running back. This is the kind of situation you're talking about. Maybe paying up for safety. Am I like reading that? Am I reading that correctly in terms of like where we stand with a guy like Gurley? Because it seems like I just don't know how you continue not. Pl- I don't know how you don't play a guy like this guy <laughs> at 9500. Yeah, well, games. right now uh, we're not playing him on Fanduel. Um, well, Fanduel price and... seems crazy. I, like, I will say the Fanduel price at 11 is right. like. I'm more talking about DraftKings. Um, we're at 9,500, so the price has not really moved over the last couple of weeks. It's almost like this is as high as we want to go with the guy. Price went down. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> and and he was has been just as good as ever. Like he just does. He just scores points every single week. Scores touchdowns every single week. Should have had another touchdown last week. 
So I'm more talking about the DraftKings price. Um, the Fanduel one, I just don't. 11-2, you need, that, that That seems way too expensive. What are your thoughts on Gurley? And, and at this point, just talking about him relative to price, really nothing else. There's nothing else to say about his his performance this season. It's obviously like bordering on historic. It's mostly about how willing are we to pay up these prices on either site. And you can talk about each site independently, I guess, because I, I think there are pretty big differences. Yeah, I'm pretty unwilling to pay up for it on FanDuel, I think. I think when you're just looking, I, you know, and I, I'll caveat that by saying, if you or just make a disclaimer against that by saying there are times where I'm willing to go up and mostly it's when like we see this in basketball from time to time it's basically when I don't have to sacrifice safety to get savings elsewhere so let's say I have you know two options that I both believe in in terms of points per dollar performance but one is 5500 and one is 7100 if I can take that savings and go up from you know on DraftKings from like you know, James Conner to Gurley or something like that, I'll go ahead and do it. On FanDuel, that doesn't really work out that well because Gurley is so much more expensive mm-hmm. than the next most expensive guys that you'll, you know, again, reasonably consider playing. Like, let's say you liked Kareem Hunt against the Browns this week just because he's, like, a guy you could think about playing <laughs> in that high tier. You're just going to, you know, allocate $2,700 from somewhere else to do that? Like, you just can't do that. That's like going from you know, Adam Thielen at wide receiver to Devontae Parker or something <laughs> like you're just like, it's just too, it's a bridge too far. And uh, so I, I don't think you'll play Gurley on FanDuel, but I, yeah, I think on DraftKings, the price is too low. And, and I think you'll wind up seeing really, really high ownership. There. Yeah. Right now on our top FanDuel lineup, it's projected for something like 145.46 weighted mean average points and to lock in Gurley, you go down to 142. So you lose a full three points by taking his salary and, you know, you obviously apply his points as well, but a full three point down is, is really pretty significant when it comes to like what your overall expectation and what kind of cascading effect his salary has on the rest of your lineup. But like I said, on DraftKings, 9,500, there's enough ways to save. I don't think you are. He's a guy that I would be fine just prioritizing in that, at that position because he just seems so safe at this point. Crazy, crazy over under in this game. I think it started opened at 60. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen if it's moved in our, uh, yep. Opened at 60, stuck at 60 with the Saints as two point favorites, which I, even that's kind of surprises me a little bit too. So uh, I think that for him, everything works out in his favor. I don't see a reason to kind of pivot away from him now. After Murray and after uh, excuse me, after Murray and after uh, Gurley, we have McCaffrey. So McCaffrey, where do you rank McCaffrey here? Because on the one hand, it's he takes all the running back snaps. He, the running backs through the air have totally crushed the the Bucks this season as well. They've like stacked the box, wanted to stop guys, tried to stop guys on the ground, and gotten blitzed through the air. Does he at seventy nine hundred though? Where do you rank him in terms of safety? He's been, he's he's sort of still variable. He doesn't f- sort of completely fit the mold of these other upper echelon backs like you know Gurley and Barkley and Hunt and Connor. But is the matchup good enough to consider playing him in cash? I think if you're making me choose between him and Connor, because and you kind of are because they're the same price. I'm just going to take Connor. I think Connor gets his regardless of the game script. Um, I think Connor also doesn't have the issue that McCaffrey has of not getting goal line carries. Like if they're going to really run Cam as a running back uh, in some significant number of plays, and especially when they get down like two yards in and stuff like that, then I think that takes away a significant portion of his safety. So I think I like Connor better than McCaffrey. I like the case for McCaffrey. I think McCaffrey is obviously like kind of a mandatory part of Cam big tournament lineups, just because I think you can really go off by getting both sides there. But uh, yeah, I, I think I like Connor slightly better here, even in a significantly 
more difficult matchup overall. Yeah, McCaffrey, he averages 20 and a half looks per game, and Connor is, I think, 24. Now, Connor, again, has a much worse That's matchup. A Baltimore, yeah, the matchup is much worse. This is the problem here. It's like Baltimore has been a top six defense on the season, this, and Tampa Bay, obviously, is the worst defense. So, at, at, at really, at that point, I think you're arguing are the extra touches for Connor worth it against a, you know, you know, unobjectively much better defense than Tampa Bay, or is the like, what? Like, which thing factors in more for you? Is the defense or is the overall touches? Because I think this is the thing the system's actually like kind of most confused. Well, not most confused. It's like trying to suss out, and that's that's actually why they're coming so close in terms of projection. I, I tend to pick touches over. Um... You know the matchup, generally speaking, unless a guy's like a seven point or greater dog, and then I think you you really want to tread more carefully. But uh, McCaffrey, and so in the last three weeks, he's got eighteen touches, thirteen touches, fifteen touches. Like that's real bad. Right. <laughs> like again, you know his the, the targets through the air are going to be worth more than the average carry, and so you know maybe you want to weight it somehow. Connor in his last three weeks, twenty nine touches, twenty three touches, twenty five touches, and that's just such a big difference that it's hard to ignore i think you know with the steelers too you know kind of early in the season trying to figure out what they had in connor uh you know trying to figure out like is this a guy that we can really lean on in that kind of bell level of usage and then recently you know unequivocally saying yes we absolutely can that's just worth a heck of a lot to me i, I think the main argument against playing connor here is that you have one game sample of how it happened the last time they faced baltimore and he was not effective at all. Uh, he carried the ball nine times for 19 yards. And if you think that Baltimore sort of has their running defense figured out, then maybe you don't want to play him. Um, I also just wonder, again, you know, if I'm going to be spending money and all these other positions, if I'm going to wind up being able to play either of these guys. But I think still I'm going to lean Connor just based on the usage and the floor as I perceive it. All right, wide receiver, this whole section would have looked different if we had posted six hours later yeah. to the point where I almost just went back and rewrote it because well, I... Let's did. just talk about the actual guys you want to play. Yeah, okay. So um, I, well, I'm going to start with Hopkins because I don't... I want to know how much this, this changes for him. So when I wrote him up, uh, Will Fuller had been lost for the season. Uh, Kiki Kute was questionable, although maybe looking even closer at Doubtful to play. And that was just the end of the wide receivers. They just don't really have any other pass-catching wide receivers sure. that are were even worth it. Now, they do trade for Demarius Thomas. Thomas, I don't, he's a guy. I don't know how good he still is. It's, he was not putting up. He wasn't gangbusters so far with the Broncos this year. How much does Thomas getting traded there? Because I was putting Hopkins up on that complete elite usage level of of just of targets because of their situation, just yep. their willingness to force him the ball, sort of no matter the situation, no matter who's shadow covering him, whatever. Does Thomas eat into that at all for you, or are you comfortable keeping the projection pretty much the same as we originally had it before the trade was made? I guess I, I hope I'm phrasing that correctly. Do we feel comfortable being as bullish on Hopkins as we were before the trade? I feel that confident. I think. You know, wide receiver is a really complicated position to play in many cases. And just like showing up at it on a team and be like, hey, guys, I'm here to play some wide receiver. It doesn't mean like two days later you can just go out. And I know Thomas is going to suit up against his former team here, but I don't know that he'll really be a super significant part of the offense. I mean, Watson has shown a tendency to tunnel vision at times in the past towards Hopkins. And I think just like some new guy showing up that he has to introduce himself to that really hasn't done anything at all this season anyway. I don't think it eats into Hopkins' uh, target share too significantly. Uh, that being said, Hopkins has not been super highly targeted in the last three weeks. So I think, you know, it's 
it's like, I guess the fundamental question, this is kind of how you asked it and I didn't answer it, is, is Thomas going to eat into Hopkins' uh, projected increase by too much to make him playable? And then I think you might have an argument there. Um, I haven't looked at how many targets you end up giving him for this week. I have him at 12. And the reason, and the, the last two weeks, they, a lot. They, yeah. the last two weeks, they completely crushed Miami and didn't have to throw the ball at all. And they did the same against Jacksonville. They won by 13 and didn't have to throw the ball at all. Now, so um, they, yeah. if you think that that's going to continue to be the case where they're just going to be able to run other teams into the ground and not have to air it out too much, then 12 is way too high. If it's we kind of revert back to early in the right. season where they're just playing regular game script games, he was 11, 11, 10, 12, 13 um, in the five. In the yeah, five. Fuller was coming and going during that time. But, yeah, I, th- I see what you're saying. You know, I think I think double-digit targets is appropriate for him. And um, I think when you compare him to some of the other big-ticket wide receivers here, like I think I'd probably, probably rather play him than Antonio Brown. And I'd probably rather play Thielen than Hopkins. That's yeah. That was, that was actually what I was going to ask: is like, how close is it for you on Thielen and Hopkins? Because they are pretty well; they're pretty closely projected in our system. Now, the and that's something we can just kind of get into as the, the, now we're talking about decimal. We've points. got both right now in our top lineups. But. Um. Oh, on Fanduel, yeah, I'm looking. At, I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. If that's true. Okay, so the other guys the, with the Golden Tate. I'm looking directly at it right now. <laughs> I uh, but true. I just ran. Yeah, I ran something. Oh, okay. Sorry, I had locked in Gurley from before. Okay. Uh, the. When it comes to this Detroit situation, they trade Golden Tate. Obviously, that frees up. He was their most targeted receiver yeah. leading into leading into this week, and then they traded him away. He was averaging, oh, I deleted it. He, I think he was averaging nine and a half targets a game, or maybe it was eight and a half targets a game. He is gone now, leaving two receivers that they have been fine targeting, also a lot alongside of Tate in Marvin Jones and Galladay. Do these guys become? Do we end up seeing these two guys just as? possibly the the most highly owned two wide receivers on DraftKings the price is I don't know five thousand it's fifty five hundred for Galladay, fifty three hundred for Jones. Right now Galladay's in hundred percent of lineups, Jones in sixty. Do we see these two guys as just epic chalk this week based on the new situation? Probably. I don't know if it's as clear cut as it seems to be. I'm a little concerned about Galladay, just to be honest. Like I get that he's probably the next in line for these Tate targets just based on how they've deployed him in the past. But the man has three targets total over the last two games that he's played. So yeah. that's real bad. Like if we were, if he wasn't a name everyone recognized and didn't start the season with those three high target games where he scored two touchdowns, I don't know if people would be as excited. And that being said, the fact that he had three highly targeted games even when Tate was there probably indicates with some degree of certainty that he'll be heavily involved uh, going forward. So yeah, I think you can, you can pretty safely play those guys. Um, and especially on DraftKings where that price is you know, low enough to where you don't have to worry too much. I'm curious to know what you really think of Marvin Jones Jr., though, because, you know, he's been a guy that people have played on FanDuel based on his red zone usage. And last week he was tremendous against Seattle, 10 targets, uh, where Galladay, again, only had the one. He had 117 yards and two touchdowns. Are we sleeping on Jones Jr.? Right now he is not in the FanDuel lineups. Um, and I I guess with a gun to my head, I would guess, given that they're, they're the same price essentially on FanDuel, that Jones will wind up as a higher-owned commodity than Galladay will be. Jones is drawing the much, much worse matchup here because he's going to get shadow-covered by Xavier Rhodes, and I think that is, that's the reason that it's kind of defaulting to Galladay in our system, okay. at least. Um, that the, the shadow coverage part from Rhodes is... It means something for Jones. I, I, like, I'm not... It, what total percentage it means... I mean, I can tell you the total percentage it means for our system. Um, it's not a total disaster for him, and... It's just not as good as you usually want to see from a cash game wide receiver, and that's the thing that's actually holding his. That's the thing that's holding his overall projection down because we have them projected for right around the same amount of opportunity, but the the, the roads thing is actually cutting into him. So I think if this mm-hmm. is a week that you're going to see Galladay targeted even more, I, I I 
believe that's going to be the case because it just stands to reason he has the better matchup. And this one's going to be one of those close ones. On DraftKings, like I said, it's not a big deal for in terms of their price. They're both just way too cheap at, in the 55 or 100 or lower range. Uh, but FanDuel, yeah, uh, the FanDuel, the PPR, and the price kind of these wide receiver prices all being just a little bit closer across the board, like not as big of a spread between the great guys and the not so good ones. I think that's where it's going to be a little closer. I think I would favor Galladay and I'm totally with you. The target share of the last couple of weeks has been bad to the point of it really did make me stop and pause and be like, well, what's, what the hell's been going on with this guy over the last couple of weeks? Because he was seeing such significant yeah. targets earlier in the season. What about the, the Denver situation? They traded away Thomas and now they're going to, it really seems like Cortland Sutton would be the next guy up. How much do we want to project Thomas's targets onto Sutton? How many of those go to Manuel Sanders? How many of those guys go to like guys like Deshaun Hamilton that are just a little further down the chain? Sutton seems like he'd be the guy uh, that would be next guy up, 5,500 on FanDuel. He's in the, like the 3,900 on DraftKings. Is, it, is he just cheap enough that we say it's just there's just targets and they're there and the guy's been on the field and that's kind of good enough and if everyone else is going to play him? Is that, that's kind of where I'm landing with Sutton, but I don't know if you see it kind of differently mm-hmm. than I. Yeah, on DraftKings, it's totally straightforward to me. Uh, he really checks the all those boxes of like he was like you. You made the good point. He's already on the field when a guy was already on the field for all those snaps and just wasn't and was still getting you know four to six balls thrown his way per game. It it's almost inevitable that he will be the next guy in line to you know even see I don't know two or three more targets a game and all of a sudden you're utterly viable. Uh, I mean, sub four thousand on DraftKings is comically low for a guy. Uh, that fits that profile. And I think 5,500 on FanDuel too. You know, I, I guess you still want to be a little bit cautious and kind of see what it's enabling for you. Um, you know, the question, because this is winds up being the mindset you have to be in when you show up on Sunday is like, so if I can play, say, Sutton and Cam Newton, do I like that better than, you know, Fitzpatrick and, jeez, uh, I don't even have any $7,000 wide receivers holstered. One second. Jarvis Landry. So, like, he's the guy that we have, like, for... Yeah, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, right. Oh, so that's your guy, right? Like, uh, Sammy Watkins and um, Mar- Marvin Jones Jr. or something. Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's disingenuous because you're just going to play Jones Jr. anyway. But uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know. Uh, so that that's kind of the discussion you'll wind up being in. I do think that it probably will wind up being worth it in the long run uh, to get that level of savings but we'll just have to see how it all shakes out i think where i'm gonna try to apply the savings is going double expensive at wide receiver but you know that still remains to be seen right now and then we finished off a tight end Ugh, jordan reed i, I get why he's here. I, I get why he's here at the top of this list um the targets have been there this guy just hasn't can't even get a foot down the field without with the, the routes they run him with like so he he sees targets he's got 47 <laughs> targets this year i that's okay it's top 10 for wide receivers um the yards are like hundreds less than other than other guys that have, that are in the same range. Are we just looking? Yeah. Are we looking mostly just at the target share here and thinking that at some point the yards just have to increase? It really doesn't seem like they could get any lower at this point. So, uh, like, are we just look? Are we? Yeah. Well, let me let me go ahead and just give you a list. So instead of making the case for Reed, I think it's probably worth looking at the case against everybody else sure. <laughs> because unfortunately you just have to jam someone into this position. And that's the life that you're living right now. So um, the other guy is Travis Kelsey. So do you want to go ahead and pay two thousand more dollars at your tight end spot, and you know again pull two thousand away from some other position? If you do, Kelsey's good. He's just a good player. Last week, twenty-two percent of FanDuel cash game players decided to play Travis Kelsey. So if that's a direction that you're ready to go, you're going to take the savings, go down to Fitzpatrick or Cortland Sutton or whatever, and you're just going to say, 
I'm not going to do this stupid tight end dance, try to figure out which $5,000 tight end is going to catch a touchdown this week. I'm, I'm with you. You can do that. After that, though, I feel like you're deciding between Reed and... I mean, you could just go down the price list on FanDuel and just look at some of these other guys. Do you want to play with O.J. Howard, who gets legitimately four targets a game? How about Trey Burton? He also had four targets last game. What about Jared Cook? Well, I wrote this in the article, so I'm going to reuse my own joke. But yeah, he had 13 targets in the last three weeks. You know, <laughs> Kittle looks too expensive to me. Um, I actually do like two emerging tight ends in Jack Doyle and Evan Ingram, but they're not in the main slate. So what are you supposed to do here? There's like, there are actually not any options of players who can play. So uh, maybe you like Kyle Rudolph or Austin Hooper, thinking that he can, you know, recreate the magic uh, that he'd had against Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. But I'm just not seeing it. I, I think... Um, you know, in the world where no tight ends are getting any targets, just give me the guy last week who had 12 targets, and I'll I'll figure it out from there. So Warren Sharp, uh, who's probably one of the smartest, like at least Twitter football minds around, um, runs Sharp Football. He had. I, I was picturing Warren Sapp when you said that. No, 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 Warren Sharp. If you don't follow, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't follow Warren Sharp on, on Twitter, then you're really missing out. This guy is about as smart as it gets when it comes to just really breaking down some analytic stuff. He went completely crazy on the Redskins about their usage on Jordan Reed this year. <laughs> like, so I'm not going to read this whole thing, but he said he starts off by saying Redskins should be embarrassed with their usage of Jordan Reed. It goes on. This is like 50 tweets long, and it's just all these stats about just how. They run him on all the wrong routes that, like, he, he should run, like, out and he should run digs and posts. They only run him on outs and curls. They said he's in the, in the most reliable target within the 15 yards of the line of scrimmage in the modern football passing era. Um, within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, no other player is converted, has a higher conversion rate, and they just simply can't figure out how to use him correctly. It's, so, anyway, go to Warren Sharp Football on Twitter and just go and read the case for. I really hope the Redskins read the case for it too, because if they do, it sure seems like something will affect. I'm with you. I think the case for him is strong enough on the targets. It doesn't seem like the yards can get any lower. I think he's coming way too cheap if you're if he's going to see you know seven, eight, nine targets at a, at a position that's already just it's just an epic disaster. And I, I we said it every week. I wouldn't be surprised if FanDuel just got rid of it next year and just like made it a wide made them cheaper and put them in the wide receiver pool or like the flex pool. And just said, you can play him if you want to. And there's just not enough of these guys uh, to be viable. All right. Uh, and you mentioned Kelsey. We don't need to get into the case for him. Other than him, OJ Howard, Chris Herndon, Jared Cook, whatever. Like, we can. it's a poo-poo platter of a terrible, <laughs> terrible position. And then tomorrow, uh, Chris fine. and I on the game-by-game breakdown, we'll get into some of these defenses. All right, buddy. Cam yeah. Newton all the way. Enjoy your Ryan Fitzpatrick shares. That'll surely <laughs> fail. Later. Peace. Hi folks, Dirk Bentley here. Being on the go is a big part of my life. I love seeing new places, meeting new people, and performing all over the world. For energy on the go, for me, it's five-hour energy. It works fast, works long, and it tastes good. With zero sugar and four calories. Try it. It could work for your on-the-go life too. Five-hour energy, energy on the go. Get five-hour energy at your local Casey's. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.